Today's episode is brought to you by Vroom. With Vroom, you can buy a car entirely online and have it delivered straight to you so you never have to go to a dealership again. So next time you need to buy a car, just grab your phone, go to Vroom.com and check out thousands of great cars. But right now, I'm asking you to check out one great podcast. This is Locked On MLB. You are Locked On MLB. Your daily MLB podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello, baseball fans, and welcome to the Locked On MLB, Locked On Diamondbacks crossover. It must be a Monday. It's August 1st. Guess what, folks? If you're a baseball fan, you can't dismiss where your team is in the standings by waving your hands and saying, ah, it's April. Ah, it's May. Ah, it's June. Ah, it's July. We are officially in the final third of the season, and we're going to be talking about that and some trades that are going around and possibly some trades that could happen. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Call me Sully. Right over there is my Monday compadre, Mr. Miller Thomas from Locked On Diamondbacks. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing good today, Sully. How you doing? We got some big uh, um, trades to talk about, and of course, the D-backs, huh? Making moves. That's right. Well, the D-backs made a trade. I'm sitting here in the luxurious auxiliary Locked On MLB studio in Palo Alto, California, the birthplace of Oakland A's manager Bob Melvin, also the birthplace of Jock Peterson. The mm. outfielder for the Giants, who probably won't be an outfielder for the Giants for much longer. Hey, where can people follow your show? You can follow my show on all podcasting platforms. Follow Locked On Dimebacks on YouTube, and follow my personal account on Twitter at Creator Thomas Twenty Four, and follow the show accounts. Just look up Locked On Dimebacks across all social media channels. Check us out, Locked On MLB Pod. Same handle for Instagram. I'm your pal, Sully. I'm at Sully Baseball on Twitter, Sully Baseball Podcast on Instagram. So it's August 1st. By the way, I just wanted to say some quick things before we get going here. Uh, lots of nostalgia going around. I'm here in the Bay Area. They had a huge, huge night for Will Clark, who was a gigantic part of the Giants' resurgence in the late 1980s and was their most popular player. And it's just a fun, impossible not to root for uh, hitter. And he still is a funny, larger-than-life figure. For people who are Giant fans in the 80s, it's funny. There's there, there are players who are part of certain fan bases who are never going to be Hall of Famers, but who mean everything to that fan base, the way Dale Murphy does for Braves fans from the 80s, Don Mattingly. Just ask Stacey Gatsoulias, who's you know in my general age range, what Don Mattingly meant to Yankee fans at that time. Well, that was Will Clark. Remember the Giants, when they made it to the playoffs in 87, it was the first time since 1971 they played in October. And Will Clark was the MVP of the National League Championship Series in 1989, which was the first pennant the Giants won since 1961, or 62, I'm sorry. So he was really uh, instrumental in basically reigniting a Giants franchise that was dormant in the late 70s and throughout the first part of the 80s. So uh, it's great to see his number retired and see him be honored. And by the way, you know I'm not a Yankee fan, but the Yankees do old-timers day really well. They bring back all the old heroes. I'll tell you what's kind of startling for me, though. 
because uh, I, you know, when I lived in New York all those years, I used to love watching Old Timers Day. My mother grew up a big Yankee fan, big fan of Yogi Berra and Mickey Mantle and uh, Whitey Ford and all of them. And you would see them at the Old Timers Day. So I always felt there was a connection to that previous generation. Well, now when you see the Old Timers and it's Bernie Williams and Paul O'Neill and Jorge Posada, wait a minute, I remember when they were rookies. How yeah. old am I? What's happening? Um, the it's uh, it is kind of sobering when you no longer have the. I mean, I was there when Joe DiMaggio was introduced, and out he comes, and so now it's a think of that old timer Mariano Rivera. Oh God, I'm I'm like, old. Are they are those guys younger than you, Sully? Is that is that what's making you feel a um, little bit? Well, they're in my ballpark. In your they're ballpark. In my ballpark. Yeah, well, yeah. What's what's players younger than me start showing up to Old Timers Day? Yeah. You know that's uh, uh, that's that's sobering. But it was it was a fun weekend with a lot of games going around there. And um, but now there's that that you look around and you think, okay, is this the last uh, game in a uniform for this player or that player? Uh, I have to say, let's just get right off the bat. Uh, the first big trade that was fired across the bow. And I was mm -hmm. actually really surprised that it happened this early in the process was Luis Castillo being shipped from Cincinnati to Seattle. They must have a, a close connection, those GMs, because they are, they pulled up the Sensel, the, uh, the, the, the big trade earlier this year. Um, why am I, why am I blanking on everybody's name? You know what I'm talking about. The, oh, the Eugenio um, Suarez, Jesse Winker. Dude. Thank you. Yeah, Suarez. I said Sento. I meant to say Suarez. Um, but uh, Castillo was was sent packing to mm -hmm. Seattle, who uh, came from behind to finally beat the uh, Astros the other day. But uh, this was an interesting uh, interesting move that was made. Uh, let's uh, let's talk a little bit about the, the you know Cincinnati got a nice haul certainly in terms of volume. Yeah, and the Mariners got a solid major league pitcher. Yeah, when you look at it, you know, from that standpoint, in terms of the return, if you're the Cincinnati Reds, you're getting back three of the top five prospects in the Mariners organization, three highly rated guys. So the Reds are like, okay, if we're trading, you know, our best starting pitcher, at least we're getting that package of prospects back, all really high ceiling, high value guys. So you like that if you're the Cincinnati Reds. Then if you're the Mariners, you're now getting Luis Castillo, who's a legit frontline uh, number one, number two starter. Mm -hmm. You get to pair him with a guy like Robbie Ray. You get to pair him with a guy like Logan Gilbert, who's having a pretty good season. That rotation is pretty good with the Mariners. It was already pretty nice before they got Luis Castillo. Now you're adding Luis Castillo to that rotation to pair with the other guys. The Mariners are all in on making the postseason this year they may not make it to the world series but guess what that does not matter matter if you're seattle your main objective right now is to win as many games and get to the postseason and let's break the curse you have to start building momentum and if you're the franchise you have to start winning games and building toward something if you ever want to get to a world series you have to first make the postseason so i think this is a good move to do that to make the playoffs and if i'm the mariners fans Yes, giving up prospects can hurt sometimes, but guess what? Who cares about prospects? When the D-backs traded Zach Greinke, they got back three of the top five prospects in the Astros organization. 
Astros organization. J.B. Braskakis, Corbin Martin, and Seth Beer. Guess what? We're still waiting for those guys to make it to the major league level and make an impact like four years later. The best guy from that deal so far has been Josh Rojas, who is like a prospect in the 20s in that organization. So if you're the if you're the Mariners, don't care about prospects giving up. It's about winning, and Luis Castillo can help you win games right now. Boom. This is going to sound, I'm going to make a weird comparison, but I remember down the stretch in 2013, the Pittsburgh Pirates acquired Justin Morneau from the Twins. And they needed a, they needed another veteran bat. And the Pirates, and, and Morneau played very well in his half season in Pittsburgh. But it was a similar thing. At that point in 2015, the Pirates hadn't even had a winning season since 1992. It was getting ridiculous. And they were like, look, we just need to get, doesn't matter who we give up. We need to fill a hole. We need to at least get people saying you haven't had a winning season since 1992. And that year the Pirates uh, got to the division series. In fact, they got to one, they were once uh, a McCutcheon swing away from going to the NLCS in, in 2013. But it, you sometimes have to get a franchise off the schneid. You just have mm-hmm. to get whatever it takes to get this team off the hook. And with Seattle, who hasn't seen a postseason game since 2001, Ichiro's rookie season, um, you know, this was uh, – you, you just had to – they had to pull the trigger. I think it was a smart deal for Seattle. Um, yeah, a couple because- of smaller oh, – I'm sorry. Yeah, I was going to say, because even though, like, the prospects might have been, like, pretty highly rated, like, like the guy Marte, who everyone felt like was the main centerpiece of this deal, maybe, maybe a little bit too rich to be given up in a Castillo trade, like, he's 20 years old. He's in high A right now. That guy might not make it to the major league level for another three to four years. Robbie Ray, big money right now to help you win games. So this is a win now team. And so I'm not caring about prospects giving up. That's going to make an impact for me four years down the line, because four years from now, it's going to be a completely different team. My timeline might be completely screwed up. So I'm glad the Mariners are doing all in moves right now. Uh, a couple smaller moves. The Yankees picking up Benintendi. I mentioned that mm-hmm. the other day. Um, that's going to have, uh, you know, that's a smart move. Uh, they're probably going to find someone to dump Gallo onto. Uh, my prediction is he's going to go to Milwaukee and it's probably going to be a salary dump. You know, the Yankees will probably pick up some of the cost. I think it will be a, a great move for whoever picks him up to get, you know, a talented offensive player who will have the burden of failing in New York lifted from their shoulders and say, give us some, you know, two solid months. Uh, the Mets picking up Tyler Naquin, um, you know, depth. Some of these moves are just depth. Jojo Romero for Edmundo Sosa, a Phillies uh, Cardinals swap of two of the most fun names to say out loud. Uh, Chris Martin, who was part of the Braves bullpen last year, is now going to the Dodgers. And then let's go to the other move, which was Tampa Bay needed a bat. And so off they went to Mm -hmm. Arizona. Break it down for us, Millard. Yeah, David Peralta heading out. Franchise icon is being traded to Tampa Bay. I kind of thought maybe a, guy, a team like the New York Mets could have been in on David Peralta because mm-hmm. they kind of struggle against right-handed pitching as well. But they went out and got Tyler Naquin. But 
For the D-backs, I mean, the return, of course, 18-year-old catcher. Not, you know, I wasn't, let me say this, I wasn't expecting a big haul. I acknowledge that. I know David Peralta is going to be a free agent in a couple months. He's a rental, mid-30s. I was not expecting a Luis Castillo level package for David Peralta, okay? I'm not a dummy. But was I expecting maybe a dart throw at a pitcher or at least a position of need, like a first baseman in the organization? Because the D-backs, the one put, you know, the, the two positions the D-backs have pretty much locked up for the future is outfield and catcher with Dalton Varsho and Carson Kelly. If things go right, the catcher position is one that the D-backs do not have to worry about for the next eight years. So taking a dart throw on a catcher who has put up pretty good numbers, but in rookie ball, I just don't understand that aspect from the D-backs front office. If you're going to do a dart throw on some 18-year-old rookie prospect that's barely played in the minor leagues, then you should go after a pitcher, especially because Sully, we've talked about, the Tampa Bay Rays are the terminators of Major League Baseball when it comes to producing pitchers. And you have Brent Strom in your organization. He's the pitching winner. So if I could get a pitcher from the Rays organization, some random 18-year-old, and eventually uh, move him up through my system and get him with Brent Strom, that's what I want as a D-backs fan, a catcher for a franchise icon, an 18-year-old catcher in rookie ball for a franchise icon, David Peralta, who I know is not an all-star, but still top five in basically every category in D-backs franchise history. I just felt like the return was a little light, and I'm not saying the D-backs should got a package of prospects back, but at least a pitcher or a first baseman, an area of need that the D-backs need because they are starving for pitchers in their organization. I agree. I agree. Uh, I always get frustrated when someone is traded or leaves an organization after nine years because there's something to be about 10. If you get to 10 <laughs> years with a team, then that's all you can ever really ask for. You know, because I mean, just for there's something symmetrical. Like, hey, he was, hey, he was with the team for 10 years. You know, you, you got to say something. And then off they go looking for a new job. And, you know, looking for jobs isn't always the easiest thing. As we gear up for the fall, you need the right people on your team to help your small business fire on all cylinders. LinkedIn Jobs is here to make it easy to find people you want to talk to faster and for free. You can create a job post in minutes on LinkedIn Jobs to reach your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network of over 810 million people then add your job with a purple hashtag frame to the LinkedIn profile spread the word and you're gonna be hired so your network can help you find the right people we got simple tools like screening questions that make it easy you focus on the right candidates for just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire that's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus the leading competitors LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Did you know that every week, nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn? Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash MLB. That's linkedin.com slash MLB. Post your job for free. Of course, terms and conditions do apply. Thanks so much for making Lockdown MLB your first listen every day. Make Lockdown Diamondbacks your second listen. Or do you want whichever order you're going to have, a, have us be one and two. One and two. We get on base, the other moves us over. The Major League Trade deadline is August 2nd. That's tomorrow. And Lockdown MLB has all the breakdowns. You can have rapid reactions to any move made here at Lockdown MLB and throughout the Lockdown MLB network. Subscribe to your favorite podcast on YouTube or wherever you get.
get your podcast and you can get notified when each episode premieres. Okay, so there are still some very large fish out there, and I'm not talking about marlins, and nor am I talking about trout. Um, the big moves that obviously Juan Soto is the big fish out there. Mm-hmm. This is really extraordinary, I think, that this is this is a trade ship that um, the, the Nationals cannot whiff on this because whoever gets him, and I was on uh, Locked On today earlier this week, mm-hmm. and I talked about a I lot of the pro- a lot of the prospects that are being offered for Juan Soto are roughly the same age as Juan Soto. Yeah, like you, you're not getting an aging veteran here. You're getting someone who has still has you can get three pennant runs with him, even if you don't resign him. And he is in his prime. He's actually probably coming into his prime. And he yet he's already a seasoned World Series champion, all-star veteran. There has not been a trade chip like this that I can remember. I'm going to just end the sentence right there that I can remember. I mean, even when Griffey was being shopped around, uh, A, he only wanted to go to Cincinnati, and B, he was older than Soto. So whoever gets him, in my opinion, is worth their top prospect. There isn't one prospect. This is a, here's, this is a, a psychological question. I'll get to you some of our thoughts of where he's going to go. I, have, I, I think I know where he's going to go, or I have a prediction. But let me play this game with you, Miller, okay? I give you Juan Soto. You have every prospect in baseball, okay? The okay. top 100 prospects, okay? Is there a single member of the 100 top prospects in baseball that you wouldn't give up now for three pennant races with Juan Soto right now? You're talking to the anti-prospect guy, so I'll give up all 100 of them for Soto. Well, okay, but I'm saying, I guess what I'm saying is if if the Nationals knocked on your door and said, we want your top prospect, we want Take a it. package involving your top prospect, the answer is, it has to be yes. I don't care what prospect it is. I don't care who it is. You would, if you were to do one for one, your top prospect for Juan Soto, of course. You know, any package involving your top prospect, you get Juan Soto now. Of course. And I think the Nationals have to go knock on everyone's doors. Okay, first things first, your top prospect is in this package. We want oh, your number oh. one prospect. You know. Of course. If you're, yeah, I, I'm yeah. one. Yeah. I, I want more than your number one prospect. I want your number one prospect. I want your number two prospect. I want your number three prospect. And I probably want a couple dudes who I've already seen on the major league level. Like if I'm looking at the Padres, like you're throwing in Mackenzie Gore, who I've already seen flash on the major league level this year. And I want whoever your other top prospects are. Like I need a package of prospects and real tangible guys who have already seen on the major league level, who I know can at least produce and maybe become something because Juan Soto, like you said, is already a guy who is, my age, I'm 24 years old. He's like 23, 24, 25 years old. He's already super young in the prime of his career. And essentially, you could have this dude for the next, what, 12 to 15 years in your organization. He's the walking king. The man gets on base better than pretty much anyone next to Mike Trout. So if you're trading for Juan Soto, there's no prospect in baseball that's probably ever going to meet 
reach Juan Soto's ceiling. Like that's the thing with prospects. Like you, you have prospects to hope that they trade, uh, turn into superstars. Well, Juan Soto is a superstar. He's one of the best players we've ever seen. And there's no prospect that's probably ever going to reach the level of a Juan Soto. And think about someone like Soto. You had mentioned San Diego. Okay. Let's say they take their top prospect, uh, Mackenzie Gore, mm-hmm. someone else. I don't, I don't, I don't even know who. Who knows? You, know, okay. you take a, um, yeah, you know, it doesn't matter. C.J. Abrams. There you go. That's yeah. another one. Hey. Of Congratulations, C.J. Find a nice apartment in Washington. Okay, you have Soto, who sees approximately one hittable pitch a week, uh, because. I think I the the you know the the racing presidents of Jefferson, yeah. Lincoln, Washington, and and uh, Teddy Roosevelt are currently batting behind Soto in the lineup. All right, now imagine sticking Soto in front of Manny Machado. You're not going to walk Soto with Manny Machado coming up, so suddenly he's going to be invigorated that he's seeing pitches again. You know, you're going to see him, whatever team gets him is going to see him explode that he's like, you know, even if it's, even if it's just for the three years, if you're San Diego, I'm not even thinking about resigning him. You know, it's worth those prospects knowing you have a window of opportunity now. It's like, Hey, what if we, if we know we have three years with Machado, Soto and Tatis Jr. When he comes back, Mm -hmm. we've got three shots at it. For a franchise that's never won the World Series, you know, uh, I to me, San Diego is a landing spot for another uh, rumor that I'm going to say. But uh, but yeah, I mean, there's not a team that I wouldn't say if I'm Washington, I want your top prospect. Well, and and more. And, and if the- I'm if I'm other teams, I also think you want. I we've talked about this a little bit. I also think you want to kind of be in the contender um, category. Like if I'm a team like the D-backs, like I'm probably not doing a Juan Soto deal because Juan Soto is like not making. I'm just becoming the Angels if I trade for Juan Soto. I'm gonna have an all-time right. great player, and my team's still gonna be bad. So I think you do want to be in a place or a situation where your team is already good, and then you're like, all right, we need to bring a superstar into this lineup. We got a rotation, we got a bullpen, but our offense is just missing a little bit of juice. Let's bring Juan Soto in, and now we got this offense. We've got a superstar in the middle of our lineup, and now we could take our team to the next level. So I think you have to be a good team and a team that's on the precipice of winning a World Series or making a playoff run. Well, that would that would include San Diego. Yeah. Is that who are you where you think he's gonna go? Yeah, well, it seems like based off the rumors and the reports, the Padres and the Cardinals are the two finalists. And the Cardinals would just be funny because they basically built their lineup with franchise stars from other teams, with the Paul Goldschmidt, the Nolan Arenados, and now Juan Soto. And plus, they did um, call up a couple dudes this year who have been producing for them at a pretty high level. So I think the Cardinals would be interesting. But the Padres would just be more fun with the Tatis, Machado, and Juan Soto. But how about a team like even Atlanta I just thought about recently? Like, if you have, like, Acuna... And Juan Soto in that outfield, that would be interesting. I brought up the right. Mariners on a pod last week, but now that they made the trade for Luis Castillo, it makes it a little bit harder considering they gave up the top prospects. But a team like Atlanta, um, I mean, they also gave up some top prospects or some good prospects for Matt Olson as well. So I don't even know what kind of return they would have. But it seems like the Padres or the Cardinals might be the two most likely candidates to land uh, Juan Soto. All right, well, pick one. Show okay, pick one. pick one. Oh, okay, I got pick one. Well, I'm going with the San Diego Padres one because I think A.J. Preller is that aggressive kind of dude. And I think... I think he would be willing to part with the Mackenzie Gores or the CJ 
Abrams or both of them. If you're getting a guy like Juan Soto and you're building that, um, you're building that championship contender because their rotation is already pretty good. We know Musgrove is about to be locked in. Darvish is still there. Blake Snell has been a disappointment, but their rotation is still going to be pretty good um, in that back end. Their, ro- their bullpen is already pretty good. But that lineup, I think, has been kind of disappointing this year. Part of it, Tatis has been out. And also, outside of Manny Machado, like there has not been a lot of great producers in that lineup. Trent Grisham has really mm-hmm. disappointed. Direct and Profar has been like their second best player for most of the season. Jay Cronenworth has heated up a little bit. But like their lineup has not been that great this year. So once you get Tatis back healthy, Machado is healthy once again. And then you add Juan Soto. Like If that's your two, three, four combination, I don't know how you stop that if you're an opposing pitcher and you have to face that hard of the lineup with the San Diego Padres. By the way, I'm glad that Jerkson Profar is back after that scary you know, injury where he basically mm-hmm. passed out after the, the head injury he had about a month or so ago. Uh, I think he's going to the Cardinals. Okay, I think he's going to the Cardinals. I think one of the reasons why they're going to the Cardinals is, as you said, the Cardinals can get very aggressive. They love poaching other teams' franchise players. Uh, imagine Soto batting with Arenado and Goldschmidt behind him, provided we're not in Toronto. And um, and I think there are players like Jordan Walker, like uh, Dylan Carlson, like Matthew Libertori, who are major league ready players, good players who could be included in the package. I think that you could look up and say, okay, the, the Nats can get uh, like, you know, two or three players who are talented and ready to immediately put on the major league level. And the Cardinals are aggressive that they, they, you know, Oh wow. They don't, they're trading away a third baseman. Well, they already have Arenado, you know, they're trading away a first base. Oh great. They, they were trading away an outfielder. We're going to stick Soto out there. It doesn't matter. You know, they're willing to trade. The Cardinals are willing to make aggressive trades. And I also think that they see that, they have a window of opportunity now um, that they're as of this recording, the Cardinals have fallen out of the wild card spot. They're trailing Philadelphia, but we also know the Cardinals can get hot. And yeah. if you get a Soto with Arenado and Goldschmidt batting behind him, suddenly this becomes an electrifying offense that they have and could probably, you know, I mean, I say I was going to say probably not better than Los Angeles or the Mets, but then again, mm-hmm. uh, Atlanta wasn't better than San Francisco and Los Angeles for 162 games last year. They were just better than LA for seven. So uh, I think the Cardinals, I, I think he's going to go to St. Louis. Yeah, and if you're the Cardinals, you already got the MVP in Paul Goldschmidt. So pairing him with uh, Juan Soto would be nasty. But I think I like the Padres a little bit more just because of the timelines with the core players. Because I don't think people realize this, but Manny Machado and Aaron Judge are the same age. It feels like Manny Machado's been in baseball for like a decade, but he's only 30 years old. Manny Machado's still pretty young, and we know. Tatis is like 25 years old or whatever so you would have basically that core three of players for at least seven years with Manny Machado aging and then you would have Tatis and Soto together for like 12 to 15 years like I just think when I think of having my core my trio of players together like I think I would just have that window open so much longer so like from a fancy perspective I would like the Padres more just because the Cardinals Paul Goldschmidt's like 34 already Nolan Arenado's um creeping in his 30s as well the the window for that team would just be a little bit shorter than the Padres so that's why I prefer the Padres over the Cardinals because I want to see that trio of stars in San Diego together for that amount of time over, you know, their course of their careers. Well, uh, two things. 
first of all, it just shows you how horribly Baltimore whiffed on the trade of Manny Machado, that he was that caliber yeah. of player who was that young, and they just really just bombed on that deal. Uh-huh. And um, and the other is you if you're right and you put Soto on that team and pair him with Machado and Tatis, I think at that point you got to look at the Padres as a surefire bet to be contending for the next decade. If you're going to be making any bets, go to betonline.net. It's the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your betting needs, and you find all your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. Find reviews and news for every league, including Major League Baseball, the NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and you know what? Bet Online continues to be your top online resource for all your sports wagering information from live in game betting scores and podcasts. They have been covered. Head to Bet Online today or use your mobile device to learn more about the action happening today. Bet Online, that's where the game starts. Now, there's a couple other potential moves that could be going around there. Uh, the Yankees are all but certain to pick up at least one pitcher, maybe two. I think they're probably going to reacquire David Robertson. The Yankees love to bring back former Yankees. They they mm-hmm. just they they are such sentimentals, you know. They they love to bring. Oh, David's back in the fold, and there are very few. In fact, I think David Robertson is the only current active player to have been a World Series champion Yankee. I think that's true. I may have to mm. look that up. At least he's yeah, been, at I least. Look it up. I th- at least uh, Ian Kennedy was on the 2009 team, but he didn't play in the World Series. He was injured for the World Series. So I believe David Robertson is the only one who actually played. You are correct, in sir. The World Series. Now, there may be maybe a September call up who's still hanging around. I don't know. But off the top of my head, the only one who played in the postseason for a Yankee team that won the World Series. So David Robertson. Oh, will be back. And that is still active that you're saying? Yeah, that's still active. No. Oh, it's right. Cano is still technically active. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. I don't think Cano is coming back. You're <laughs> yeah, right. You're right. I stand corrected. Oh, see, this is the problem when you try to do it from memory. Uh, no, that's still pretty good, though. Oh, yeah, I got Cano another one. So out of sight, too. out of mind. But he did. Cano did play this year. You're right. And um, also on this too. I don't know if he played in the World Series, but he was on the roster in 2009. Mark Melanson. I just looked it up. Okay. I don't think he played in the postseason, uh, but he, I, I could be wrong. But okay, all right. Well, there you go. There are very few left. Is yeah, what I'm saying. I, I just thought that was fun. That was uh, cool. Ian Kennedy and Mark Melanson who got two World Series champions on the back end of the D-backs bullpen. Come get them, guys. Yeah, MLB trade on, deadline. Come on, said that Jason Dominguez for them. Um, the uh, Jock Peterson, the the Giants and the Red Sox have fallen uh, to terrible Julys. Jock Peterson remains, I think, one of the most fascinating trade chips. He's a hot or cold player. He made the all-star team and is now got benched. Um, Palo Alto's own Jock Peterson. You know the, the significance. If a team acquires him and they win the World Series this year and that team is not called the Dodgers or the Braves, then Jock Peterson will make baseball history to be the first player in the history of the game to win a World Series title in three straight years with three different franchises. It's never been done before. 
You've had players, you've had two players play in three straight World Series with three different uh, franchises, but not win all of them. Don Baylor with the 86 Red Sox, 87 Twins, and 88 A's, and Eric Hinsky with the 2007 Red Sox, 2008 Tampa Bay Rays, and 2009 Yankees. Peterson won with the Dodgers in the COVID season and last year with Atlanta. So whatever team acquires him is going to treat him as a lucky rabbit's foot. By the way, a note about Hinsky. He was with the 07 Red Sox, 08 Rays, and 09 Yankees. He also played in the 2010 Braves, who wound up uh, making the wild card and playing the division series, but they got eliminated by San Francisco. So he was trying to make it four in a row. But I digress. So if you're a team that's looking for a lucky rabbit's foot, uh, give the Giants a quick call and pick up uh, Peterson. Uh, I'm going to say a trade that I think should happen. Mm. If the Red, now, I don't think it will, but I think it should. The Red Sox are listening to offers for some of their veterans. Apparently, they're not going to trade Bogarts, but mm-hmm. they're looking at some of the players who are going to be free agents at the end of this year who are veterans and basically say, hey, look, it, we're probably not going to bring him back, so let's get back something for him. The likes of Nathan Eovaldi, the likes of J.D. Martinez, the likes of Christian Vasquez. Here's what I think they should do. They should not do Operation David Peralta and dump him off and get a nondescript player. Mm-hmm. They should package the three of them. And I would rather the Red Sox get one good prospect, maybe not a blue chipper, maybe not a top five, but an actual <laughs> usable prospect and say, hey, look at you get J.D. Martinez up. Uh, Nathan Neovaldi and Christian Vasquez. You get catching depth, a pro hitter, and a pitcher that, when healthy, is an all-star with World Series, all three with World Series pedigree. And we want one good prospect from you and a couple of, you know, breathing bodies that you're going to DFA. One actual building block as opposed to three low-A, you know, Take a bet. If you're going to make a bet, oh, I did that ad read already. But um, I would rather they do that. Like, come up to the Mets. The Mets need pitching depth. The Mets need catching depth. And they could use a hitter like J.D. Martinez. Here, you get all the depth you need for the postseason. We want one of your top ten prospects and a couple of the bodies. That's what I want them to do. I don't think they will, but that's what I want them to do. Yeah, I don't know if I'm a fan of that. So, like, if I'm giving you three of those players in one deal, I'm going to need, a like, a nice package of prospects back. I'm going to need some – maybe a blue chipper or two or at least some really high-ranking prospects well, because J.D. Martinez – We're agreeing. Too. We're agreeing. Yeah. yeah. I'm just saying, okay. hey, there has to be at least one in there that I know, okay, this is one we can build on, and we'll take a chance with some of these other ones as opposed to what happened with Peralta where they got some guy who's my kid's age who is – who's literally my son's age – uh saying like oh maybe he'll be okay in four years yeah because i'll just be so scared of the return i would get back because i feel like i'm giving up so much jd martinez is still like an all-star level dh at the plate christian vasquez is such an underrated catcher he comes through in big moments he's great at throwing out base runners and and really playing just a defensive catcher position then nate avaldi like he's been basically the number one for the red sox for chris sale out the last two years and he's done a great job at it he's probably not an actual number one but he's a number two number three and we've seen what he's done in the world series what he did in that game against the dodgers like this is the big game pitcher so if i'm giving you all three of that i better get back a 
fat package of fat Han. So I don't know if I would actually get the necessary return I would want when I give up those three. It might be better to split it up and do separate deals. Like if uh, if a team wants all three of those, then maybe I'd do a separate deal for each guy to that team. You want the you want all three of these Mets? Then give me a one specific deal for Vasquez, a different deal for Martinez, and a different deal for uh, Nathan Valdi. Let's get really convoluted and do something like that, just because I don't feel like I'll get the actual return I would want in terms of value back if I'm trading all three of those guys. See, I disagree with you on this point. I think you would get less if you split them up. Okay. You know? You think anyway, it'd be more to ask if you try to split them up? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. But can um, I ask you, Philly, why are the Red Sox – I know the Red Sox struggling right now, but why have they never – why have they not the last couple of offseasons been able to commit to actually building a team going back to the Mookie Betts trade? Why have the Red Sox have this flipped in philosophy when they've had a freaking core of great talent and now all of a sudden they're seemingly like blowing it up for no reason? reason like you're the red sox a big market team you can go out there and spend money you have all the talent in the world you have a you're like so close to winning world series in terms of the talent you have you just got to add pieces to it instead they're doing the opposite and keep stripping away season after season like it's just a, a money issue for john henry at this point like what is he doing at this point and they also know that the fans are going to show up and even all those upset at the mookie Betts trade they got to within two wins of the world series last year yeah you know that they 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 figured they could be smarter than everybody uh, the Mookie Betts trade never made sense, except in a financial point of view. But even that made no sense because it's one of the richest teams in baseball. Why are they treat? Why are they acting like uh, Brad Pitt is going to be playing their GM? Um, a couple of two more names to throw out there before we wrap up here. Uh, the two other big trade chips, uh, Montaz from Oakland, is going to land somewhere and be a big, big producer. Uh, where do you think he's going to wind up? Yeah, I have a couple of uh, teams down. Either the Twins or the Cardinals, I think, could use his assets. I mean, we talked about the Cardinals earlier in the Juan Soto, but just looking at the rotation, I think after Wainwright and Mikolas, it just gets a little thin, that 3-4-5 range. So if I could add Montes to be my number three starter with those two guys, I think that would be really nice. And then the Twins, I just, like I said, I don't love their rotation overall, and they've had a pretty good season. So if they're committed to making the postseason this year, winning that division, after Joe Ryan, like it's like Chris Archer and Dylan Bundy's of the world, like it's pretty gross or right, if i could at least get montes in the building and being my number one or number two starter i think that'd be really good so i think the twins or the cardinals would probably be the best uh destinations for him i was surprised the twins weren't in harder on luis castillo i mm -hmm. thought luis castillo was a great fit for minnesota no i think that both of those are, are good calls i mean the twins have a obviously they're they're just ahead of cleveland right now for the division uh but they're one slight losing streak and one modest Cleveland winning streak away from falling out of the playoffs altogether in August. So it would behoove them to try to build up their pitching staff. Uh, the other big, huge potential trade, uh, we talked about it last week or the week before, Shohei Otani. Mm -hmm. um, teams are listening to him. Teams are talking. Uh, I know the team where I, I had said I wanted him to go to the Giants, but the Giants are talking about selling. Um I have a team where I think he would be the absolute perfect fit for just in terms of everything we were talking about. But I want to hear where you, your your take. 
Yeah, Otani, I just don't think he's going to get moved at this year's trade deadline because he's still got like he's still under contract for like two more years. So if I'm the Angels, maybe next year you get a year ahead of it. Maybe next year's trade deadline you start thinking about Otani if your season is just going terrible. But for the Angels, like I still have too much talent in my lineup. Yes, my pitching sucks, but I still feel like I have too much talent on paper in my lineup to just give up on Otani and give up on basically the whole Mike Trout experience. Because if you trade Otani, then I think you have to trade Mike Trout and you just have to start a whole fire sale in that organization because you're still paying guys like Anthony Rendon 35 million a year for the next seven years that's why I feel like you can't just give up on Otani this year and trade him you still got to try to go into this offseason and just pray that you can finally figure out and pay for a pitcher or maybe someone like Reed Demeters um one of your you know top young pitching guys can finally step up and have a breakthrough season next year because we all know the pitching needs help in that Angels organization. We know that's been their downfall for the last 10 years. And right now, Otani, with still two years of control and uh, you know, of with the Angels, I don't think you should move him just yet. Wait at least one more year. See what you could do in this offseason. And if you're lucky, maybe you could um maybe make the postseason next year because there was a point this year where the Angels were good before they went on like that 17-game losing streak. So hopefully you could look at that and say, how do we get back to that point of the season? for next year because we can't just trade Otani, the the biggest draw in maybe sports history. Well, again, I had made the point that I, I don't think they're going to contend anytime soon, and you're, you, the haul you can get um, may be worth the rebuilding process. I would talk to whoever is the runner-up in the Juan Soto sweepstakes. Like, you know, we were talking about St. Louis and San Diego going after Soto. Uh, I think if San Diego is throwing around some of their top prospects and everything like that, and they fall short on Soto, uh, I would, if I were the Angels, I would say, how about for Otani? You know, I would, um, I would at least inquire. You know, I, everything you're saying makes all this, you're, all, everything you're saying makes sense. And a lot of the revenue streams that comes in, because of Otani, are probably going to be very hard for the Angels to just give up. It's not just a simple baseball move. There's other, there's other, you know, revenue moves that would have to come about this as well. That the Angels might say, "Hey, look at. I don't care if we stink right now. Otani's bringing X number of money into X number of dollars into the organization. We're not mm -hmm. going to trade that to San Diego for some prospects. But if it turns into a simple baseball move, or if that becomes part of the equation." Um, I would talk to whoever is the runner-up in the Juan Soto sweepstakes. Yeah, I, whoever, if you don't get Juan Soto, if Otani legit becomes available, you're talking about um, what top 100 prospect wouldn't you give up for Otani? Like, if you have the top 100 prospects in your organization, you probably should give up the top 10 for Otani because, like we said, like we all know, he does it from both sides at the plate on the mound, and that is just indispensable in baseball there's no one with more value no one's more valuable you talk about the mvp it should be renamed the otani award because there's not a player more valuable in baseball than him so for whoever trades for otani it better you better get back the top 10 prospects in someone's organization and like three major leaguers if you're the angels because that will be the biggest that that trade will be the biggest case study in major league history what otani goes for in a trade because i think that could set the market for every superstar trade going after that well establishing otani's value is going to be very difficult i have to yeah, say but establishing miller thomas's value is really easy he is one of the best 
You make my you make my Monday sing. I just made up that song. It's gonna be a big hit. Miller Thomas, where can people find you? You can follow me on Twitter, my personal account at creator thomas24. Follow the show account, just look up Lockdown Dimebacks on both Twitter and Instagram, and of course we're on YouTube at Lockdown Dimebacks there and on all your podcasting platforms, of course. Well, thank you so much. And hey, a little sneak preview of a show coming up uh later this week when we talk a little bit about stars i've teased this a little we talk about stars both movie stars and baseball stars i'm going to create a link of why we don't see many more new movie stars and why we don't see many more ace pitchers and i think there's an eerily similar reason why also the locked on mlb is going on the road this last week i did a show from oracle park in san Mm. francisco This upcoming week, I'm going to be doing a show from another stadium. But which stadium will it be? Will it be Dodger Stadium? Will it be Angel Stadium? Will it be Oakland? Will it be San Diego? Will it be San Francisco? The answer is none of the above. But I'll still be at a Major League Baseball game. I talked about it in an early episode. So if you listen every day, you'll know which stadium I'm going to. But for those of you who are just casually paying attention, that'll be a mystery. But, hey, follow us at Lockdown MLB Pod. Same handle for Instagram. I'm your pal Sully. I'm at Sully Baseball on Twitter. Sully Baseball Podcast on Instagram. Talking trades. I want to trade Miller Thomas for the world. This is August 1st. Lockdown MLB. Lockdown Diamondbacks crossover. I'm your Paul Francis Sullivan. Please fist bump me and call me.